Welcome to Strictly Jojo, a podcast dedicated to Jojo's Bizarre Adventure, where every Jojo episode is reviewed by casuals for casuals. My name is Courtney. This is episode 34, and we're reviewing part six, Stone Ocean, Hermes' Stickers. As always, there'll be spoilers for this episode and anything that's happened in the Jojo anime, so you've been warned. We are just over halfway through January, and still no update on when the rest of Stone Ocean will release. Um, like we promised, we're going to keep, uh, keep tabs on this every single week to see if Netflix finally tells us what the hell is going on. Um, but nothing so far. There has been like some Stone Ocean activity. I saw there was some interview with, um, for, I always butcher Firuz. I. <laughs> Cause I, I follow the, the Jojo, I don't know if it's the Jojo Stone Ocean account or if it's just the general, uh, Jojo account um on instagram and on twitter and they were posting about that and there's just like other things that are popping up but the one thing that's not popping up is the question that everyone wants an answer to which is when are we getting more episodes and interestingly on twitter just yesterday and today i did see a couple of tweets floating around in the community um, where people were basically saying we told you so that because we're getting a batch of episodes that the hype for stone ocean would die down very quickly and that's essentially what happened that you know, within a couple weeks of Stone Ocean dropping, everyone just stopped talking about it. Unlike what we're experiencing right now with Demon Slayer and Attack on Titan, where every single week we're talking about these shows, we're, we're analyzing, we're theorizing, um, and coming together as a community. And I just wonder if the folks at Netflix kind of see this and, and hear some of the feedback um, and if they will ever change their ways. If they can hear this, then I'd like to say, fuck you, Netflix. (laughs) (laughs) Damn, okay. (laughs) And yeah, I I called this one too, just knowing that like we we blazed through the the entirety of the first part of Stone Ocean. Again, what in the three days after it it, um released on Yeah, like two to three days, yeah. And it was that was great and all, but you know, even as we're rewatching these, I I can't feel the hype that I did after watching those so like one after the other like i would have ex- wanted to experience this the way that we are like you said experiencing demon slayer and attack on titan and and stone ocean like this would have been the trifecta of winter 2022 but now it's kind of soured because again these were released in bulk on netflix i think or i wonder you know if if they were to give us um, a premiere date for the next batch of episodes, if that would help with the hype, just to like hold us over something to hold us over until we get to that next set of episodes. Um, but who knows? It's it's premiered in Japan. I actually haven't heard anything about the Japan broadcast premiere. I assume mm-hmm. it was well received. That it's um, well received, and yeah, at least they get their their weekly episodes for those who don't have Netflix anyway. Yeah, so I don't know if the hype is different over there for the non-Netflix viewers that if they have that continual excitement week over week. And I think I've mentioned this before. I'm, I'm sure that Netflix or David Production or Warner Brothers Japan, whoever, will make a formal announcement about the second half of Stone Ocean once they've concluded in Japan. But I think at this point, the, the damage is, is done. And I... God, fuck you, Netflix. That's all I can keep saying. <laughs> Damn, like, you're so sour. <laughs> I am because like this was supposed to be a, a like a very significant event in the JoJo fandom, especially after having waited so long for Golden Wind. Granted, 
I didn't start watching JoJo until after <laughs> Golden Wind, but I'm sure longtime JoJo fans out there were eagerly anticipating this. And to think that the hype dies down mere weeks after it premieres is that's such a, a slap in the face to the fandom. And I, I feel terrible for the fandom in that regard while we have the communities of Attack on Titan, which are just thriving on this second part of the final season coming out it's just it's ridiculous yeah no i feel you um i mean we, we talked about it at length leading up to and, and just after the premiere of stone ocean um that it just kind of suck like it just it just kind of sucks um that you know we're not seeing these you know weekly discussion threads and, and twitter posts and all that stuff it, stuff that really brings the community together when we're all when we're all so far apart you know sounding very poetic right now <laughs> but hopefully our episodes are still keeping all of you out there hyped as as we discuss them week over week 100 percent. that is why we are here. That is why we started this podcast, Strictly JoJo, so that we could talk about JoJo every single week or every other week based on our schedule um, and just continue the hype for each of the parts because it's been a long time since part one and part two premiered, um, but there's lots to talk about and there's this is just one way to bring the community together. But with that said, we should talk about Hermes because she had her kind of debut episode in this episode six yeah okay i know i I forget the number every time we saw her i think in the first episode of course but then she veered off into a different part of the prison yeah so i'd call like this her debut yeah because it's an episode dedicated to her and she gets her stand actually before we jump into everything hermes i wanted to address a goof that i made in the previous episode um that was actually brought up to us by one of our patrons halt 57 I believe when we were talking about the the bone that Emporio gave to Jolene, which was um, part of his mother's shrunken body after she was, um, I guess, assaulted or destroyed by assaulted. white snakes. Assaulted? <laughs> when she had the discs impaled in her face? Yeah. Um, I I know Jotaro named that body part um, or gave it like the scientific name. I mispronounced it as sacrum. So the actual terminology is, or the pronunciation should be sacrum. So thanks, Halt57. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you corrected my use of medical jargon in the past, so this was my second strike. Although I wonder if there's someone outside of the U.S. who's listening to this and it's like, well, actually, we pronounce it as sacrum. Because <laughs> mm. I feel like that that happens, um, you know, when you listen to, to folks from around the world, they'll pronounce something very different than the way you're used to but for uh, for our banana. Pr- yeah for our purposes here i guess uh, you know stateside sacrum but yeah back into this episode um i think we definitely needed this one it felt like a gentle breather from the emotions that ran high from the visitor arc especially with previous episode episode 5 um and yeah as you said we we get Hermes's proper debut um, as like a, a another member of what I call Jolene's ever growing prison posse, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. My my ears thought you said 
prison pussy, but <laughs> I don't know why. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, prison posse. Uh, prison we gang. We got more. we got Poochie gang. We got Boochie gang. We got Duong gang. Duong gang. And now we got the prison posse. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go with prison gang. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just like alliterations a lot. As you do. <laughs> you can tell in both our podcasts. Uh, but I, I would say I, I find Hermes is a very fascinating character. I think part of it is because of her character design. Um, I feel like she is sort of like this part's bucherity and how she just oozes fashion sense. And like I, I always picture like Cleopatra with the way that like her hair is designed. Although I looked up on the JoJo wiki and it says that her ethnicity, I don't know if this is confirmed anywhere, um, that she is Mexican-American. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, other than like her character design, I think even personality-wise, she reminds me a lot of like Polnareff from part three and just how aloof she, she can be. So I was thinking the same thing, um, that, that she has Polnareff, Okuyasu moments, but maybe... I, Maybe Foo Fighters is more like an Okuyasu. Yeah. But then, like, would Foo Fighters also be considered the equivalent of Polnareff from part three? Because he's kind of the goofy character. But then I feel like he's, mm -hmm. like, I feel like the two of them are a mix of Polnareff. Like, there's there's Polnareff-esque traits in both of them. Yeah. I, guess, <laughs> I don't know why I keep thinking, like, that she gives off this Polnareff bucherity energy. Although... Hermes isn't technically leader of the the prison posse, but <laughs> yeah, something just something about her just screams those two characters to me. Who do you think between Hermes and Foo Fighters would be considered the quote unquote straight man? Because you've got like Kakioin is the straight man of part three. Um, I guess you'd say Koichi is the straight man of part four, and probably Bucheriti. Um. Probably a little Fugo and probably a little Giorno are the straight men of part five. But with this gang, not including Emporio, um, uh, Weather Report, and Anasui at this point, who would you say is like the straight man? Is it Jolene? Mm. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, I, I can't say much about Anasui because I don't know much about that character yet. By the way, I'm not 100% sure if that's how you pronounce his name. We'll, we'll find out when he mm. finally debuts. Um. Weather report, he just seems too shy to be like in that role. Foo Fighters, I feel like just because of her nature, which we'll find out, I think, in the next arc, just too just fish out of water. She's Okuyasu for yeah. sure. <laughs> um, so I would I would consider Hermes to be like the the straight man in the group. And I was re actually reading some trivia that um, among Japanese fans, they they give her the nickname Aniki, which oh, is kind of nice. like older brother. And I think. Part of it is just because they feel like her character has a more masculine appearance compared to the other JoJo characters. But I think Araki himself considers it like a, a nice term of endearment um, because she, she does have that like tough nature to her despite <laughs> like in this episode, which feels almost like a, like the sitcom episode of JoJo. Um, she does act wacky and looney toony. And she's very much like Jolene's Aniki. For sure, mm -hmm. um, just the the way their relationship is, um, like she's she's equally as confused as Jolene as to what's going on. But there are moments where I feel like Jolene almost um, leans a little bit 
on Hermes, especially as their relationship is growing closer. Um, so I like that. But I would say, going back to the straight man thing, I think eventually the straight man will be Emporio because he's shown that he's the only one with, like, his head fully on his shoulders. <laughs> and mm-hmm. he's the reason that Jolene survived and Hermes survived and all that stuff. So I think eventually he'll be he'll be the straight man just like Koichi because they're both short. <laughs> I would say that this episode, um, I agree with you that it, it's the breather that we needed after the intensity of the the Jotaro arc um, over the last few episodes. I I really enjoyed it. It's it's one of those ones where I'll describe it as a lot happens, but not a lot happens mm. because it's literally over the span of like, what, 15, 20 minutes where yeah. she's trying not to die. Um, but we learn a lot about this particular stand, which I think is Highway to Hell. Um, you're talking about Thunder McQueen's stand? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's... I don't think it's actually mentioned by name in the episode, but which is weird, right? Yeah. Maybe next Usually, episode they mentioned it. Unless they are like White Snake brings it up at some point. Mm. Um, but yeah, we learn more about Howie to Hell. Obviously, we learn about the stand ability that's manifesting in Aramis called Kiss. Um, so yeah, both are just very interesting stands, and I think um, McQueen or Thunder McQueen's in particular. Yeah, um, we'll definitely talk in, in more depth about that because it's kind of fucked up, not going to lie. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I would say the biggest takeaway for me with getting to know Hermes through this episode is how trusting she is of Jolene. Um, maybe to a fault, who knows? We'll see as the story plays out. But, I mean, think about what she's going through in this episode. She discovers a stand power. She has no idea, like, what how she got it or you know what it's all about she meets a little boy who says that he's working with jolene and then finds out about um white snake and the discs all while this the suicidal guy is indirectly trying to take her down as well and she just immediately believes emporio but to be fair if there's no other explanation for what the hell's going on i i would probably believe him too like you just gotta (laughs) believe what you first hear because there's simply no other explanation at that point because i'm sure there aren't any other prisoners besides i guess guess (laughs) i guess guess um (laughs) that would understand her situation and they would probably just um dismiss her as as just being crazy well it's interesting that guess wasn't more intrigued about how she got the stand power she just wanted to use it and we see that kind of with a couple of other characters um, but yeah, Hermes, I, I think she's definitely a Joe bro, pure, if anything, purely based on the amount of trust she, she sees and places in, in Jolene. Mm-hmm. With all that said, let's go ahead and jump into our summary and discussion for part six, episode six, Hermes's stickers. Green Dolphin Street offers their condolences to Jolene's immeasurable loss by bequeathing her with five extra years in her prison sentence and a trip to solitary confinement. What a heartwarming response. Meanwhile, in the prison infirmary, Hermes wakes up to the call of providing us some much-needed comic relief as she recovers from a fever induced by piercing herself on Jolene's bizarre family pendant. As she tries to recover the money stolen from her in her sleep by a self-loathing janitor, Hermes unlocks an uncanny ability to create stickers that duplicate whatever they touch and violently merge duplicate items when these stickers are removed or destroyed. Sounds like this would be great to use on NFTs, if you ask me. Hermes decides to use her newfound stand ability to attack the self-loathing janitor, Thunder McQueen, and discovers two CDs nonchalantly sticking out of his head, one of which shows the location of the stashed cash and his encounter with the mysterious white snake. 
Hermes then discovers that the pain of McQueen's suicidal tendencies are being reflected onto her via his stand, Highway to Hell. She cleverly uses her stickers to escape and runs into Emporio, who warns her of the, now that's what I call a stand disc, still embedded in McQueen's head. Feeling the tremors of McQueen's next and hero moment, Hermes returns to the Stappy Stan user and tries to talk him out of electrocuting them both. In his attempt to take both their lives, Hermes reveals that she stickied McQueen's head, which burns out during the attempt and merges with his real head in a pretty five-headed anime scheme. Hermes retrieves McQueen's second disc in the process, seeking revenge on White Snake for putting her in this entire sticky situation, but um, tss, as she formally introduces her stand, Kiss. Call it by any other name, and I will smack you. Oh, yeah, because it's called smack localized. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And now on to our next segment of the show. Is that a music and or fashion reference where we document any and all nods, homages, and tributes that this extraordinary anime makes to the ordinary world of music and or fashion? So we have three big ones in this episode. One, fashion-related. Two, music-related. The first one is Thunder McQueen. He is actually named after Alexander McQueen, who was an English fashion designer and f- the former chief designer of Givenchy. I know we talked about this in another episode. Givenchy? Givenchy. Um, McQueen's catwalk shows were noted for their drama and theatricality. He was also known for his finely tailored clothes as well as imaginative and sometimes controversial designs. Among his best-known designs are the skull scarf and armadillo shoes. I also read that Alexander McQueen was also attributed with reviving the trend of what they call the bumpster trousers, which I think in colloquial American terms is the like low-rise jeans. Um, I think that was a trend revived in the 90s. And I took note of this because if you look closely at Thunder McQueen's character design, his top looks like backwards jeans. Backwards jeans? Yeah. Oh, shit. You're right. I'm so, yeah, I think that's why I I noticed he has like the, the these four letters, E-D-W-N. Or is um, it E-O-W-N? Um, the wiki says E-D. I mm. think depending on how you look at it in the anime, it could be an E or an O. I always wondered what that was. I still don't know what that stands for. I know it's like E-D-W-N. I think of the name Edwin. Um, but I think that's meant to be like the Levi's patch or whatever that you see at the back of pants. Oh. And yeah. he's wearing like a weird looking chastity belt or something. Or a jock strap or whatever. Oh, yeah. That too. <laughs> um, another thing to note with Alexander McQueen He did unfortunately take his own life in 2010, shortly after the death of his mother. So the suicidal tendencies with Thunder McQueen's character in the anime or in the manga are actually—they're completely coincidental because Thunder McQueen debuted in the manga for Stone Ocean ten years before Alexander McQueen's death. Oh, that's that's eerie. Not gonna lie. Um, I've also heard people call Thunder McQueen an early reference to Lightning McQueen from Cars. (laughs) I don't know what the correlation is there besides name or if they have the same characteristics or personality. I've never watched Cars, so that's that. Um, Two more references. Oh, wait, really quick. The M on his his face. Oh, yes. On his hair. Um, 
probably from McQueen. I just, every time I look at it, I think either McDonald's or I think Speed Racer. You know the M from Speed Racer? Oh, right. Um, it looks like, it, it's probably more like the Speed Racer logo than anything. But uh, yeah, there you go. That's my two cents. <laughs> or the Moriocho logo too. Doesn't oh, it? yeah, I could see that. Maybe yeah, but he's I think... from Moriocho. <laughs> well, I, I like the McDonald's one more. Because <laughs> McQueen, McDonald's. Anyways, two more references. Uh, second one is a mu- music reference, uh, Highway to Hell, that is in reference to Highway to Hell, the sixth studio album by Australian hard rock band ACDC. Remember ACDC from part two? Um, and it was also the title of their lead track, which is known for its introductory guitar riff. Um, for those of you who have watched School of Rock, um, you've heard that riff played by Jack Black's character when he's testing out that guitar students skills oh yeah yeah that's highway to hell um they called it highway to hell because acdc made several studio albums beforehand and were constantly promoting them on a very grueling tour schedule which angus young referred to as the highway to hell last reference is with the stand kiss or hermes's stand kiss that's a reference to Kiss, an American glam metal rock band known for their face paint. Stage. That's a genre, glam metal? It is. I'm sure, like, there were a couple bands, like, in the 80s that... And were... I've heard of the term, like, hair metal. Or maybe, yeah. But I've never heard glam metal. Interesting. Wikipedia labeled them as part of the genre of glam metal. Hair metal, glam metal, I'm sure it's all uh, synonymous. Uh, but yeah, Kiss is an American glam metal rock band known for their face paint, stage outfits, and outrageous live performances. Most of you might know them for their signature song, which is Rock and Roll All Night, the I Wanna Rock and Roll All Night. Or for any Grand Theft Auto fans out there, especially those who loved playing San Andreas, they had the track Stutter on that soundtrack. So there you go. And now it's time for the JoJo meme rundown, where we list each new JoJo meme that appeared in this episode. Um, I have three, but they're all kind of like a stretch. Um, one of them may be more of like a JoJo reference than anything. So when at the beginning of the episode, Emporio is narrating what's been going on with Jolene since the previous episode that she's in um, the the punishment ward, and we see her sitting in her prison cell. This looks identical to when Jotaro appears in at the end of part two, because um, um, everyone forgets that there is a part two Jotaro, technically. Um, it looks exactly the same. I think she's sitting almost identical, and like she's kind of got the shadows across her face similar to to him in that part. I don't exactly recall if he strikes the same pose in his introduction in part three. He may, um, but that's kind of like a meme, kind of. More because part two, Jotaro, is a meme because no one ever talks about it. Um, And then the other one, or the second one, rather, um, is going back to Thunder McQueen. Um, It's just the, the reference that people make to Lightning McQueen because they have McQueen as... (laughs) <laughs> as their last names and then also because the movie's called cars and you've got cars from part two um i don't know it's more like a conspiracy theory than anything that... and then the thunder and lightning names yeah like people people think that cars the movie franchise is actually just a jojo reference oh <laughs> or like based on jojo <laughs> 
Um, and then the last one is, I guess, like another JoJo meme slash reference. Um, it's essentially manga panels or now anime um, screenshots of uh, Thunder McQueen trying to kill himself. And the, the caption is, when you want to die, but realize it's a JoJo reference. So as morbid oh, wow. as that is, <laughs> these are kind of like, you know, some meme slash references here. I don't know. I, I didn't want to have nothing. So I pulled out something. But as always, if we miss any memes or references from this episode, please do let us know. So now on to the main event, Hermes and her brand new stand. Um, the opening shots, I guess, after the the recap of Jolene's situation, um, it's it's Hermes's legs and someone touching her legs and stealing her crotch money. And it's the janitor. I was very confused when this episode opened up. I'm like, why is she even in the uh the infirmary why is she like sleeping without her pants on and why is someone touching her <laughs> was this how it folded out in the manga if you recall i have no recollection so oh. i i'm not sure <laughs> it, it could be one for one it could be totally new i truly do not know <laughs> but that's a good question um i think she mentions that she ended up in the infirmary because she had a fever after she pierced her hand with the stand arrow yes. i think we originally um you and i when we were chatting before recording we, we thought it was because of her getting her ass whooped in the the prison van mm -hmm. from the first episode but a lot of time has passed since then so unless we did like a uh like a rewind um or a flashback they wouldn't really work timeline wise because emporio even says that um, what we're watching, what we're witnessing happens after Jolene is put in the punishment ward. So my assumption is that Hermes was in that same booth or whatever that Jolene was in when she initially talked to her lawyer. And I know Jolene had tossed the pendant at that point into that gutter. And then that's how Hermes discovered it. Yes, except I assumed that like she was in the floor below because didn't the pendant actually fall into the grates down below? Uh, but I, I mean, okay. to be fair, she was looking at the ground. She wasn't looking like at the ceiling, like the exit part of the vent. So is that a is that a plot hole? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's and the think... power of the stand arrow rising itself back up to the floor level. <laughs> yeah, and I think the timeline here or the chronology might be a little messed up, but it's just Araki trying to connect everything together, I guess. Yeah, well, I, I do have a major question here, and, and perhaps this is a plot hole or perhaps it's part of the deeper JoJo lore that I'm not familiar with. But if you recall in part four, when they're learning about the stand arrows, I'm pretty sure we're told that um, if you don't have like a pre-existing stand or like stand in your bloodline, maybe, um, that the only way to get a stand is to be shot by a stand arrow. Um, and then you have a 50-50 chance of either developing a stand or dying. But here, unless Hermes, like in her family, someone's got like stand powers, wouldn't this not have worked just getting her finger pricked and same thing with guests like they're they're just pricking their their skin on the stand arrow and then developing full-blown stands but that doesn't coincide with what we were told in part four unless Jotaro and Okuyasu's brother were just incorrect about how the stand arrow works you mean by not actually getting impaled by an arrow? Yeah, like fully, because I thought the the way they explained it in part four is you have to actually get fully impaled to the point where your life is now on the line, granting you a 50-50 shot of surviving and having a stand um, or dying. Because doesn't Koichi get shot with the arrow? Um, I don't know, like there, there was like a... I'm trying to remember to part four. It's been a while since we watched it, but yeah, I remember. I barely remember part four. So. There, there was a scene 
like a flashback or an example of someone getting shot with an arrow and then like they die like they were in their bedroom or something and they died um i don't know so i we, maybe when we finally get around to watching part four um we can get some clarity there but if anyone knows and and can clarify for us is this just an oversight is it part of the deeper jojo lore did araki just forget at this moment um or did they just wrongly assume that you needed to be impaled in order to develop a stand well if jotaro initially gave the pendant to jolene and it was just a shard of the arrow maybe there was enough research to determine that you didn't need to be impaled by the arrow you just had to be like pierced by it in some way so I, I get where you're going with that, but my understanding is that because it's in the bloodline now um, for the Joe Stars, that like it was just a way to awaken like the stands. Because doesn't Avdol say in part three that he essentially had his stand his whole life because it's like in his family or something? Like he he didn't need to get hit by the stand arrow essentially, which I think insinuated that there was stand users in his family, and that's why he just developed it. But I don't know. Like, I could be fucking this whole thing up. I don't know. <laughs> well, Jolene didn't get her stand until she pierced the pierced her skin herself. Which I thought of as awakening her stand. That her stand still, like, technically existed, but she needed the stand arrow to awaken it. But again, I could be totally wrong. You, you could be totally right that she actually had no stand at all, but piercing her hand with the arrow granted her a stand. So, wait, I don't get what the issue is with Joel or with... um. Hermes. So assuming that the theory about the bloodline is correct, she would have, if she has no one in her family that has a stand, um, then she would need to be impaled by the stand with a 50-50 shot of dying in order to develop a stand. I mean stand, mm. stand arrow in order to have that 50-50 chance is what I'm, I'm questioning. But she survived here. She didn't get pierced with the stand arrow at all. She got like pricked with it, but she didn't get shot in the heart with it. Okay. So there was no risk of her losing her life, right? Yeah, although, I don't know, maybe like the fever. <laughs> yeah, maybe the fever is the, what, what may have taken her life. I don't know, because Josuke like got was a like fever. That, like her body trying to acclimate to the arrow's effects. And you know, if, if she got the fever and then died, well, there's your 50-50. Yeah, but, that could be it. Yeah. I don't know. It's it, it was just something that, that kind of piqued my interest and i think when we revisit part four for our part four review series i'm going to pay close attention to that so i can get some clarity here because i'm like i don't know maybe somewhere along the way jotaro or the speedwagon foundation discovered that you don't actually have to be shot with the arrow you can just prick yourself somewhere and get a stand which would be much more convenient yeah i also had a question with this first part so hermes wakes up in the infirmary she notices the sticker on her hand and we learn that whatever these stickers are placed on, whether it be objects or other like like body parts or whatever, that they will duplicate that. So if she had a sticker on her hand initially, wouldn't her hand have been duplicated? Or is it just that they're coming out of where she presumably pierced her hand with the uh, stand arrow my understanding is the latter that that's okay. basically like her that's where they're dispensed from is the palm of her hand where she got pricked because if you um later in the episode i think like just a little bit in that scene she has one of the stickers on her finger like that's actually placed on her hand causing her finger to double up mm -hmm. versus like because i my assumption is she needs to dispense it from her hand in order to like quickly place it on stuff 
at least before her stand manifests. Yeah. Okay. So that yeah, I think it's the latter that that's kind of where the stickers dispense, which is a weird way to describe it, but okay. that's what's happening. <laughs> <laughs> but speaking of the stickers and her stand ability, I have to say overall, um, I, I'm I was pleasantly surprised at how decently realistic Hermes's reaction was to getting her stand. Like she was very shocked. She was very confused. Um, she was even questioning her own sanity. And I sometimes there are reactions or lack thereof in, in Jojo where I'm like, that's not how a normal person would react. Like Jolene, um, when she saw Guess's stand for the first time when it was chasing her and she just immediately knew that it was a manifestation of someone's spirit. I'm like, mm -hmm. okay, this is kind of a stretch. Um, but here, if Hermes was like, oh, I have this ability and it's totally cool now, I would have been like, I don't know. But at least we get a realistic reaction, similar to the decently realistic reaction we got from Jolene in the first episode when she's like, why the fuck is there a string coming out of my body? I think you have to also credit um, Hermes's voice actor for just how over the top her reactions are. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's Mutsumi Tamura, by the way. Um, yeah, I just love how she portrays Hermes, especially in these situations where Hermes is trying to figure out what the hell's going on. When she checks her own memory, um, she like, I don't remember the first thing she, she says, but she, she says uh, Columbus discovers oh, right, the right. Americas in 1492. And then she says Bugs Bunny's birthday is whatever date. Um, this is interesting. And this is something that I do specifically recall from the manga. And now I can talk about it because the episode has premiered. Um, in the manga, she actually says Mickey Mouse's birthday. And people were speculating when part six Stone Ocean was announced that there may or may not be Disney rights at play here. And this is confirmation either that um, the JoJo studio, whether it's David Production or maybe Lucky Land, I don't know, whoever would, would need to deal with the rights did not get the rights um, or did not want to get the rights for Disney, um, either because maybe they couldn't afford it or they weren't able to do so, or because JoJo is under the Warner Brothers umbrella, they probably figured it would just be easier all around to use Bugs Bunny instead of um, Mickey Mouse. Yeah. Oh, I don't think Bugs Bunny has enough of that star power to, as much as Mickey Mouse. I, again, this is just a, a plain statement for Hermes to recite her memory, make sure she's not hallucinating. Although, who would really know Bugs Bunny or Mickey Mouse's birthday? Maybe she's a mega fan. I don't know. Then again, also, <laughs> they're in Florida, maybe. And Oh, wait. Is Bugs Bugs? Bugs Bunny is not part of Universal Studios. It's more Six uh, Flags. Six right? Flags. I forgot about <laughs> Six Flags. Yeah, actually, I think right? it is Six Flags. Because I guess like the three major theme parks in the the states, at least. Do we consider Six Flags a major well, theme park on the scale of <laughs> Universal Disney? Where we live in the Midwest, Six Flags was the best we could get. That's true. Uh, it and was then, reachable. Yeah, then you had Universal Studios and then um, Disney World, of course. Um, but... Yeah, I know there's another part, at least later on in the anime, it hasn't debuted in the manga yet, that also makes a fleeting Disney reference. And I know people were um, kind of concerned there of how they were going to alter that line if, again, because of copyright reasons, with it still having the same oomph to it. Yeah, I completely know what you're talking about, and I, I was nervous to mention it, being the, the manga reader here. I'm knowing, I'm experiencing what it's like to be a manga reader. Mm -hmm. um, but yes, I, without spoiling anything, there is an, another reference that does pop up later on in the story 
Um, so yeah, I mean, this this confirms the speculation that there wouldn't be Mickey Mouse references in part six because we have Bugs Bunny instead. So again, it could be because of the Warner Brothers thing. It could be because getting rights from Disney is probably a fucking pain in the ass. I mean, you look at Sora in Smash Bros. They only got Sora. They weren't able to get Donald yeah. and Goofy, even though that was the whole fucking thing with Kingdom Hearts. Probably because Nintendo didn't want to fuck around with that shit. Mm-hmm. So again, no surprise, but it is a little bit a little bit of a bummer just because you want to stay as true to the manga as possible. But we have Bugs Bunny, fine, I guess. Um, and then uh, Hermes starts trying to figure out her stickers. She somehow puts one on a bedpan and it explodes piss all over her. And it's it, it's weird because <laughs> I think it shatters, but if you look at like the the far away shot when all the girls are like, can you please shut the fuck up? We're trying to sleep. The bedpan is still next to her, completely intact. Oh, animation so, goof. Where did all that pee pee go? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> but she does in this moment confirm that when a sticker is removed from an object, um, that object retracts back into one instead of two, but with a bit of damage. And I, I like that aspect of her stand because it, I think as the story goes on, it'll probably force her to think very critically about how she uses it. Here, it's used to her advantage because she's able to cause damage to um, the noose that Thunder McQueen, I almost said Lightning McQueen. I'm going to be doing that this whole episode, (laughs) um, that Thunder McQueen used as well as when he tried to electrocute himself. Um, But will we see situations on the road where she has to decide between using her sticker to get out of a situation or risk causing damage to whoever or whatever that sticker is going to be placed on? Did you think Araki chose that piece of lore for her stand? Because if you try to rip stickers off anything, they always leave a bad residue if you don't do it properly. Oh, you know what? I like to think so. <laughs> yeah, that, that would be great, um, great, great thought process because you're absolutely right. There's nothing more infuriating than trying to get a sticker, like a price tag off of something, and it mm-hmm. just leaves all that crap behind. And you're like, all right, where's my goo gone? Where's where's something to scrape this away? Like is yeah, it's pretty pretty annoying. Although it's really satisfying when you do manage to get a stick a sticker off perfectly. I learned through all of my home goods shopping, because you know I always go to home goods, um, that if you just pull the sticker very, very slowly, mm-hmm. you're more likely to not fuck it up. But yeah. if you just like quickly rip that shit off, obviously it's not gonna be as clean as it should. Um, and then I think in true Okuyasu or maybe even Paul Nareff fashion, kind of going back to what we were mentioning earlier about how uh, Hermes compares to those characters, she is trying to figure out the stand. And then at one point she's like, you know what? No point in overthinking it. She just accepts her stand for what it is, doesn't try to question the universe or anything like that. She's like, I've just got stickers now and they make shit double up and that's that. And you know what? Sometimes that's just all you need. You just need – you need – enough information to know what it is but you don't need to know all the information about why it is although we as the viewers know why it is it it is what it is (laughs) truly is um and then we get the introduction of uh thunder mcqueen before i say lightning again um and highway to hell and i gotta say i feel like thunder mcqueen is um stroheim revisited when it comes to those screams nowhere near as amazing as stroheim from part two but mm. he has some pretty impressive screams that give me stroheim vibes like maybe an homage to uh our dear friend stroheim i just like i think his cry moment um his cries sound like skr skr which i know is used <laughs> a lot in in rap 
Um, so it, it kind of caught me off guard for the voice actor to use that sound effect as um, McQueen's crying, crying noise. Um, fun fact, the VA for McQueen is Toru Nara. He's actually the same voice actor for Sato or Sugar Rush in My Hero. Not that his voice oh, is very he- prevalent. I could hear that. Okay. I'm like mm-hmm. thinking about what he sounds like in the very limited lines that he has. But yeah. Okay. I could hear that. Yeah. I I think that McQueen's personality is just so incredibly erratic and unpredictable. Um, I also feel like he has that uh, ACDC moment where, remember from part two where ACDC's fighting Joseph? Oh. And he goes from like crying his eyes out to suddenly just being like totally fine. That mm-hmm. I get those vibes from him um, through his interactions with Hermes because he'll go from sobbing his eyes out to like totally fine in like a hot second. And I really appreciate the change in music. Um, that that sudden mm. switch, I think, amplifies the the crazy personality that McQueen has. Yeah, two more things I wanted to mention there. Maybe it's pure coincidence that he shares that quality with ACDC, because of course his stand is Highway to Hell, which is linked with ACDC. Oh shit! Band. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> um, the second thing is, yeah, I wanted to point out just how like the music in this entire episode just felt very slapstick or like like Looney Tunes like. Especially like with Hermes discovering her stand abilities, and then the part where she has her first interaction with uh, McQueen. Uh, I just love, as you mentioned, the music cuts in and out as they are talking to each other, and whenever it flips back to McQueen, you, like the music just stops, and then you get a weird, ex- like blank expression on his face. And then there was one part. I think it's when he realizes that he's he's speaking to a woman um the music becomes very whimsical and disney-esque <laughs> and it sounds like a version of carl and ellie that theme um from the movie up oh and are you gonna make me sad <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah but then here it's just a really odd moment between two characters not a very romantic moment as with with that movie <laughs> well no I, I i love the the music that's going on here i think it helps us as the viewer to feel the confusion that hermes is feeling because mm-hmm. you get this intense music when he's trying to kill himself and your your body has to immediately adjust to what you're seeing on screen which is him suddenly being happy-go-lucky and the music being much much lighter and much more lively um so yeah you can kind of relate to to hermes a little bit just through those emotions but his suicide attempts and his stand are so fucked up. Again, it's even crazier that, as you mentioned earlier, it, coincidentally, that's how um, Alexander McQueen took his life mm-hmm. or ended his life. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. Like, it, it's funny, but when you think about it in any other level outside of just this episode, it's kind of, like, really fucked up. Yeah. I mean, obviously, suicide's a, a terrible thing. And... It's it's just very odd that Araki decided to weaponize it, like in in a stand user. But I mean, was it um, White Snake calls McQueen the purest form of evil, who drags others down, and he he kind of uses McQueen to that advantage. So it's I guess it's evil that White Snake is exploiting McQueen's self loathing uh, for his own needs. But yeah, it's just crazy. I, I think it's even, even crazier that he doesn't even realize he has a stand and that his stand is affecting other people when he tries to take his own life. 
I, I just to me like that's wild because when there's that one point where he's trying to drown himself and he was trying to not say that that was his way of uh you know repaying Hermes for saving his life but just saying like I I wouldn't even be able to repay you so I decided to yet again try to take my own life um I don't know like it's it's not purely evil in those moments it just seems like you know he has no idea what's going on so I have a couple questions there the first one with like we already established in the previous episode that white snake is able to manifest people's memories and and their stand abilities using two discs and Emporio explains that later in this episode that those are the two components that make up somebody's soul right and so initially when Hermes uses her stand she duplicates that broom or that broom that um McQueen was using for his janitorial work he gets slapped in the head of it because she takes the sticker off and then it whacks him with the original broom and then you see the discs get extracted from his head were those discs already extracted by white snake in that moment or was it just the effect of Hermes's stand on him that they just happened to pop out Ooh, i didn't think about that good question so i think for the stand disc and i think maybe we get clarification in this when we uh, meet foo fighters but my my thought is that the stand disc was placed there by White Snake because we see him do that with the the gambling chick. Like she doesn't have a stand, mm. he gives her a stand through the disc. Um, the memory disc, though, that's a good question. I mean, my assumption is he had to have had like he had to have used the disc right um, in order for there to be one in the first place. Like I don't think Hermes could just knock a disc into existence. She doesn't have that standability. And when he throws the disc, they're in a set of two for the memory and for um, uh, and for the stand. So I don't know if maybe he just has to always throw a memory disc, but he didn't actually do anything with it for Thunder McQueen. Um, or if maybe he tried to alter his memory. I don't know. Like, I think it's the point here is that he was using the, the stand disc and maybe just by the stand design, he has to also insert a memory disc. I guess more so that like, to, to kind of clarify, how did the discs just get ejected in that moment? Do you think it's... Oh, you're talking about literally how yes. did they pop up? Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about, like, why were there two discs? No, I mean, th- my next question is kind of related to that. Oh, okay. Is like, it, I, like, I was wondering why why the discs. Is it just because, like, White Snake, like, he's already established his ability or used his ability on um on mcqueen yes okay that's why the discs the discs exist okay and the reason they popped out of his head is because yes he got blown in the back of the head with the broom okay and i think we may see this again um i don't know if it's the foo fighters episode or arc or if it's um in the next set of episodes but i think with a big enough blow to the head the discs might pop out okay that makes sense so my next question related to mcqueen and these discs are um, it's the memory disc that Hermes extracts from him during that initial blow, right? Yes. How is McQueen able to recall his memories of how he ended up in jail or even hold that whole conversation with Hermes about him being so self-loathing to the point of suicide? 
because my understanding is like the memory disc is not literally everyone's like your entire memory because Jotaro then would have like looked at Jolene and been like who are you I think it's anything related to White Snake. Uh, so okay. the money, I think, is one thing because he says, I can't remember where I put all my money. My guess is um, maybe Pucci wanted his money because that's how you kind of make your way through the, the jail is, is having money um, and the influence that comes along with that. And the other memory we see is White Snake talking to and recruiting Thunder McQueen. So okay. I think it's anything that would be convenient to Pucci um, or related to Pucci or White Snake is what's on that memory disc. So when it comes to Jotaro's disc, he says that like he wants his memory disc because of something related to like some situation Jotaro was a part of. So I think it's, which sounds kind of crazy, like probably White Snake can hone in on the memories that he w- wants and doesn't want. Okay. Is my guess. Is my so guess. it's like wanting to store certain files to, for on a disc or like a flash drive that which we use now. Yeah, because if if he took all of their memories, they would be completely useless. Even if they had a yeah. stand, they'd be like, "Where am I? Why am I here? And what am I doing?" So okay, yeah, I think it's anything that's convenient um, or useful to White Snake. Okay, that makes sense now. Thank you. You are welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then as the episode progresses, Emporio meets up with Hermes um, because I think Jolene sent him to to meet up with her and, and share some of the information. Um, and then he says, your powers have awakened. And then he tells her that stand users attract other stand users. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I have so many questions. How did Jolene know that Hermes had a stand? um because i think didn't guess say who she bought the the pendant from oh okay okay i think so no no you're trying right to think back right. to that episode um, no you're you're right she did mention that it was hermes who stole or who sold her the pendant so i think joan's assuming or yeah. at least playing it safe by assuming that hermes probably activated a stand okay Wait, you have so many questions? You just have one question? Oh, no. The, like, <laughs> I was just saying how I have so many questions. Oh, in this okay. Episode. I thought you meant like there were more. Yeah, that was another one that I can't, but go on. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in this part, it's just Emporio trying to catch Hermes up to speed. And as I mentioned before, it's just impressive to me that she has never met this kid. She's like, why is there even a kid in the jail? This guy is trying to kill me indirectly. I have a stand. I don't even know what a stand is. Um, I'm, I'm in jail. Like, what the fuck's going on? And she just immediately believes Emporio. But again, like, the craziness of the situation i can only imagine like trying to rationalize these events so i could see why she would just immediately trust plus as soon as she hears jolene's name it almost like uh it's almost like a, a 180 for her where she kind of calms down and thinks okay like there there's a bigger situation here at play if jolene is involved two things i got out of this scene with emporio one i just love how he nonchalantly walks up the stairs yeah, he's walking up the stairs. Yeah, because she, uh, Hermes is going down the stairs, like trying to escape from McQueen, and Emporio is just casually walking up and just starts playing catch against the wall. I just think that was so <laughs> funny. The second thing with Emporio is he sees that McQueen's effect is still lingering on Hermes, but how does Emporio know so much about electricity and its effect on the human body? Maybe he does a lot of reading because he has nothing else to do in that jail. I mean, he's got a he must be self-taught anyway because like who who's teaching this kid anything? <laughs> yeah. Um, and an offshoot of I guess, that I guess that electrocution thing because we know that in the middle of their conversation, Hermes is still being affected by McQueen. Is she his only target in that moment because he is so fixated on her? 
That's a good question because I was wondering with her running away, is it a proximity stand mm-hmm. where somebody will be targeted, but once they get out of the range of that stand, they won't be targeted anymore, which I think is what she's assuming, right? That's why she's trying to run away. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like it doesn't hone in on anyone else. Yeah, It must be just his mental connection with her. Um, okay. That's my assumption. I don't. I honestly don't know much about Highway to Hell. Um, it just looks like little propellers coming out as they try to kill her. But yeah. And speaking of trying to kill Hermes, um, we have the final scene where she's trying to reason with McQueen and convince him not to kill himself because it affects her as well. Um, we learn that McQueen accidentally fired his gun and it hit a woman who jumped to her death, uh, but they thought that he did it on purpose. So yes, extremely bad luck there. Um, and then she says that she'll give him her panties, which was so funny when I first watched this episode because it's such an intense scene. Like the, the It's like the climax of the episode, and then it just it like switches on you as it's been doing the entire episode to a funny moment of her saying, I'll give you my panties. Although I get it. She's desperate. She's like, I'll do anything <laughs> to keep you from electrocuting yourself in this moment. Yeah, I know. And then McQueen calls her out on her bullshit like shortly after that. But I also love, again, this whole part, or like this whole episode just feels like, a, like watching a sitcom because you also see Hermes' expression change to something cartoony as she's talking about taking her panties off and giving it to McQueen. <laughs> um I also wanted to note like the the the, the very metaphorical message that um Hermes imparts onto McQueen and in, in hopes of trying to prevent him from killing himself is just using um days of the week as a as a comparison to like our our lives can sometimes feel like Mondays. Like, but not every day is going to be a Monday. Like, I, I felt that. Those <laughs> like are some Monday. words of wisdom right there. <laughs> right. Um, and hopefully a lot of people take that to heart. Um, although, like, McQueen's response was just so slapstick by saying, I was arrested on a Saturday. Yeah, I was like, oh, my <laughs> God. Talk about bad luck all around. But yeah, I again, I hope people just take, like, from this message that, you know, sometimes life you, you will feel like Mondays, but you, you got to work through the Mondays to get to the Saturdays. <laughs> Oh, poor Hermes. At the end, she's victorious with her quick thinking and defeats Lightning McQueen. Yes, I said it intentionally. <laughs> defeats <laughs> Lightning McQueen of cars. Um, and it's interesting because the last thing he does is it involves electricity, right? Thunder. Lightning. Oh, yeah. Shit. Wow. Maybe this conspiracy theory has some merit to it. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the creators of cars were really big JoJo fans. Who knows? I guess my last question that was kind of prompted through this episode, because I I talked earlier about the decently realistic uh, reaction that Hermes has to um, discovering her standability with the stickers. So she defeats McQueen, and Kiss actually manifests next to her. And she doesn't, like, look next to it and think, oh, my God, what the fuck is this thing? Where the fuck did this (laughs) come from? Like Dwight and Angela. Yeah, <laughs> like, holy <Fuck>. shit. <laughs> like, I would be freaking out if suddenly something that looked like Kiss or Stone uh, stone Free just manifests next to me. I would think it's a fucking alien or a ghost. But at no point in, like, any of the JoJo parts does anyone freak out when they see their, their stand appear for the first time. Except kind of Jotaro. I mean, Jotaro's really the only one who, like, doesn't trust Star Platinum, doesn't trust his own stand. He's like, there's a fucking ghost following me and it's beating people up it's an evil ghost (laughs) also uh the kiss like the stand itself is 
it looks terrifying. It kind of does. Like it, it has a really cool design, but the face is pretty intense. And I actually asked and you whatever the protrusions are from it. It's like head. a crown or something. I yeah. don't even know. I asked you um, when we finished watching the episode if, as a Harry Potter fan, it reminded you of Lord Voldemort because it has no. Anytime I see something without a nose, I'm like, is this supposed to be Voldemort? You know, looking at I'm looking at images of Kiss and. Yeah, I've got to say, if you look at it head-on, it does look like Voldemort, since it doesn't look like it has a nose. Yeah, well, there you go. I don't know anything about Harry <laughs> Potter. I just know that Voldemort doesn't have a nose. <laughs> well, he has slits. He has slits. Ew! What? Because he, he, like, his whole thing is, like, he, he has, like, a connection with snakes. So it's meant to be, oh. like, like the, the slits that snakes breathe through. Do Ow. his nostrils, like, expand and contract? Or, like... Probably if you look at the... The seed or like the special effects in the movies pretty closely. That's so weird. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> clearly I have never watched Harry Potter. Well, the first one I watched, but that's about it. Um, and then yeah, I, the only note I have left here is smack. LOL. Stupid. Yeah, so I mean, stupid. again, <laughs> I hate to rag on it all the time. The the translators or whoever trying to do these localized titles and names like. They're probably trying to do the best that they can, but I can't help but cringe at, at a lot of these localized titles. Um, I don't know. When I thought when I saw Smack, I thought more of like lip smackers from the nineties. Um mm-hmm. for for any anyone out there who used lip smackers like, like the a chapstick. Lip balm? Or yeah, yeah chapstick. it's like a chapstick. Um what's the big chapstick now? Chapstick. Chapstick, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kind of like calling things Kleenex. Uh, get the Kleenex. The Kleenex, right. yeah. <laughs> Oops. Okay, so it's it was like the 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 chapstick for little girls, um, and I used it back in the day when I was a kid, and uh, yeah, I don't know. That's that's immediately where my my mind went because you know, kiss, lip smacker, smack. Yeah. But Although I'm, I'm sure there's no connection at all. I'm sure Rocky has no idea what lip smackers yeah. is. Although I'm reading on the JoJo Wiki that Smack is also the name of a Brazilian post-punk band. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so did they get the I rights know. to that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, I thought I saw somewhere like someone used Smooch, which would make more sense because that's more of like the like related to kissing kind of thing. True, but what sounds more menacing, Smack or Smooch? I'd say well, <laughs> Smack sounds more menacing. <laughs> <laughs> it's like know. the lesser of two evils at that point like do you want to yeah. go with smack or do you want to go with smooch it's kind of like spice girl they just named it to spicy girl like mm-hmm. that's pretty that's pretty close like couldn't they have called her like or, or the stand like kissy <laughs> or kissing <laughs> i don't know <laughs> kept the kiss in there somewhere or just made it kiss but k-i-s just drop one of the s's oh yeah because i mean that's fair game i assume i don't know i'm or not like a lawyer kissu. Kisu, right? yeah. Like how ACDC, I think they just phonetically wrote it out how like the Japanese voice actors would pronounce ACDC. Yeah, why didn't they do Kisu? Why don't they do that for a lot of stands? I'm surprised. I don't know. That's a good point. <laughs> well, I refuse to call it Smack, so it's yeah. it's Kiss. And it even says Kiss on its body, so All right, you can't deny that. It's part of the character design. <laughs> Last thing I'll say is um, I think you briefly hear what I think is Hermes's theme. Um, as we see her stand manifest, much like how you hear Jolene's theme when we see Stone free manifest, it's it's a very fleeting thing, and I would love to hear the full soundtrack of it. Um, it it does sound very espionage-ish, which fits in kind of with Jolene's theme too, like jailbreak. Uh, yeah, like the whole jailbreak thing. 
um i tried to use shazam earlier like humming the theme because it sounds like something else that i've heard in another form of media i don't know if it was also espionage related i keep thinking james bond for some reason um but I, I think it was actually something that I heard in Marmalade Boy. And the melody just sounds familiar. <laughs> Marmalade Boy will never leave you. You yeah, can never escape that show. It's forever etched in my memory. I have a cheesy question. It's like a, like a, a bad attempt at a joke. Um, what does it say is Foo Fighters' ethnicity, if anything, on the JoJo Wiki? Because you said that it says Hermes is Mexican-American. Does it say that Foo Fighters is Plankton American? <laughs> wow. <laughs> you actually made me look it up, but now. I mean, now I'm, I'm curious. Is it on there? I don't know. <laughs> uh, race is human plankton hybrid. There you go. Plankton so- American. <laughs> <laughs> Dad jokes all around. All right. With that said, let's do final thoughts. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts for part six, episode six, Aramaz's stickers. What did you think of this sticky situation of an episode? It was fun. It was a fantastic character introduction because um, there's a ton of characters in, in JoJo. There's a ton of Joe bros in JoJo, but I feel like very few have such an epic and fun, not to say that what she goes through is fun. I just mean like the, the, the comedic elements of this episode are fun um, type of introduction and, and have a whole episode dedicated to their introduction. So I, I really appreciate that. And, and to, to kind of amplify that, Jolene wasn't even in this episode. So mm. she truly got quite a rare um, rare event here of, of having her own dedicated episode as her introduction. So that's pretty cool. She's a really cool character. Um, definitely a Joe bro from the get-go. And I am excited to see more of her whenever we finally get more episodes of Stone Ocean. But what did you think? Yeah, I got to agree. And uh, I'm glad that you actually mentioned like you don't see Jolene at all in this episode, but I think Hermes holds up enough as a character to just command presence, and and you kind of forget that she's not the protagonist of this part. But I think that's just again a, a testament to how well Hermes is received as a character. Um, yeah, this was a pretty good episode. It introduced some pretty wacky, or I guess you could call them sticky <laughs> stands. Um, which I think just demonstrates Araki's ability to make anything, including crippling depression, a stand ability. Um, I also just love, I have to just commend uh, Mutsumi Tamura's performance as Hermes throughout this. Because I think, as you said, or no, you were saying this more in relation to McQueen and Stroheim's scream. But I just love that the the emotions that she pours into Hermes's scream, I guess almost like as much as Fairu's eye um, injects into her role as Jolene. Uh, so gotta ca- gotta call out the saves for some very good work there. And I'm just excited to see the prison posse build up. I feel like this episode was kind of like Hermes's solo Marvel movie, uh, like a precursor again to the avengers team that will be the green dolphin prison posse prison gang <laughs> prison posse passione <laughs> <laughs> well with all of that said um yeah this was this was a great episode i'm excited for the next episode i'm excited for more episodes of stone ocean but until we get those as we mentioned earlier we will be here for you at strictly jojo to continue the hype. We'll make that our, our sole mission throughout the, the Stone Ocean uh, premiere uh, for us to be 
the ones that champion the hype around Stone Ocean will keep it going every single week. Yeah, we'll make our own prison posse. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you for joining us. And on a serious note, um, I know we talked a lot about suicide in this episode um, as as cleverly and uniquely as it's used in this episode with Thunder McQueen. Um, you know, if you are having suicidal thoughts, if you know, you're kind of at a loss, um, seek help. 100% seek help. If you're in mm-hmm. the United States, I believe the, um, the the quick dial for the suicide hotline is 988. Um, I'm reading on the website here that it'll be nationally available on July 16th, 2022. But yes, uh, we, please seek help. Um, you are cared about. You are loved. We love you here at Strictly JoJo. There is help available for you. But with all of that said, that wraps up episode 34 of Strictly JoJo. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support the show, then head over to patreon.com slash the Strictly series and subscribe on your favorite podcast service so you can be notified when new episodes premiere every Monday. Follow us on Instagram at the Strictly series and on Twitter at Strictly series and connect with us there or on our website, thestrictlyseries.com to share your thoughts on JoJo's Bizarre Adventure and whether or not you would like a pair of Hermes's panties. And the prison posse. <laughs> prison gang. <laughs> <laughs> You'll also find more info on Strictly Anime, our other podcast for anime reviews and discussions. Thank you so much for listening and sharing our love of JoJo. Stay weeb, everyone. To be continued. One of the biggest reasons that we even started this podcast, Strictly JoJo, is to be able to continue the discussion around Joju. Jo- Joju. Joji. Stop. I fucked that up. Joji's I don't know why I said Joju. <laughs>